I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host for today. Joining me in the studio today is a relative newcomer to Delaware, Dr. David Young, the Executive Director of the Delaware Historical Society. Welcome, David. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me here. It's great to be here. I'm so glad you're able to join us. We've had some very interesting conversations since you came to uh, the Historical Society, what, about six months ago? That's right. Is that right? And uh, I'm just fascinated with your background and, and your expertise. Uh, so l- let's uh, share with our listeners, if you will, a little bit about yourself, your, your background in, in historical studies, and what brought you to Delaware? Great. Um, I'm happy to. I'm originally from Chicago, and uh, I was trained in, in German and in German studies, uh, and I did my, uh, my master's, deg- my undergraduate at Northwestern and my master's at Ohio State in German history. Uh, but then I found my way into public history after my wife moved me to Philadelphia. Uh, and I had lived in Germany with my wife on a Fulbright and uh, found that I uh, was pursuing a dissertation that I wasn't sure I really wanted to pursue. So I had, I had pursued academic history, but I fell backwards into the public history industry in Philadelphia, working at a historic site, one of the first paper mills in the country, uh, in the historic Germantown neighborhood of Philadelphia, where I live. And uh, I, I learned that you could make a living in public history, uh, certainly in the Mid-Atlantic, and also that public history was more suitable to my personality. So I finished my dissertation on American social history, looking at the last hundred years of preservation through uh, how we think about history in older cities like Philadelphia. Uh, and and as a result, I've been able to um, work in a number of different settings, historic sites, museums, in a collaborative way to bring fascinating stories and, uh, and make history relevant to communities where history can play a lead role. And I worked at the Johnson House Historic Site, which was an underground railroad station in Germantown as the, their first director before moving to Cliveden, which is a National Trust historic site a block and a half away from the Johnson House. So all told, I worked for 14 years in the Germantown section of Philadelphia. And then this time last year, the opportunity to pursue um, the job at the Delaware Historical Society opened up. And uh, in many ways, I wasn't looking for a job, but the opportunity in Delaware was just too enticing to pass up. And it involved a couple of things. First of all, a statewide platform is a unique opportunity for public history to really embrace what is the state, what what does the state mean, how is its narrative represented, whether it's in the historic fabric, the built the buildings and the the what I call the memory infrastructure of a place, its museums, its markers and its monuments, what gets remembered, but also what gets forgotten. And I had found that my interest uh, in history, uh, particularly the Mid-Atlantic plantation economy and the Underground Railroad, had a lot of Delaware in it. So I I was finding myself doing a lot of research about Delaware, uh, both for the historic sites that I worked at, which have pertinent connections to Delaware, other, such as the Chew Plantations in Delaware and Maryland. The, uh, the Chew family owned Cliveden, which is where I had worked, or the Underground Railroad stations. You know, the Johnson House brought people from Delaware into Germantown on their way to freedom. 
So there was an intellectual interest in Delaware already. And we had vacationed in Rehoboth many years ago, so I was always fascinated with the with the, the, the cultural phenomenon that is Delaware's differences. It's, it's oceanfront, it's rural, and it's industrial northern. Histories are, are, are um, juxtaposed in many ways that I found paradoxical, and I think they're fascinating stories in those paradoxes. Um, meanwhile, the Delaware Historical Society is, uh, is poised to put Delaware on the map in a way that hasn't been the case. And what I mean by that is the Delaware Historical Society has many exhibitions and many resources that can tell the mid-Atlantic story in a way that Baltimore and Philadelphia and South Jersey just have not been able to. And I think Delaware, in many ways, is the heart and soul of the mid-Atlantic. And I mean the five and six centuries of the peopling of this region, the native history, the immigrant history, the migrant history, uh, as well as the agricultural and industrial history and commercial history. And it extends in ways that make the 20th century as fascinating as the colonial period, for instance. And as somebody who found real energy in telling the 20th century histories in a section of Philadelphia that had really only been preserving the 18th and 19th centuries, I, I think there's real opportunity in some of those stories. So, so that said, uh, I thought that there were some unique ways that Delaware is not represented in our nation's public history, and I would like to change that. And uh, as Oscar Wilde said, we have but one duty to history, and that's to rewrite it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's what public history is, a continual reshaping of our understanding of the past. We, every generation wrestles with Abraham Lincoln, wrestles with Thomas Jefferson, wrestles with Malcolm X. Um, mm-hmm. How do we wrestle with our understanding of the past in ways that make meaning for us now? And, I, and, I, and so I, I'm very excited to do that in a new setting, um, which is also prone uh, and ripe for uh, change in how uh, historical societies are considered. And uh, what I mean by that is um, it's my job to make our organization a verb where many people just perceive it to be a noun mm-hmm. and how to make active the many resources that the society has. You you, uh, you mentioned a little uh, while ago about this, uh, your research into Delaware while working at Philadelphia institutions, and I'm fascinated by that, having taught in both Philadelphia and in in Delaware, and when I was in Philadelphia, taught in Quaker schools, and that connection, especially with the Underground Railroad and the, the Quaker sentiment about anti-slavery, uh, is a pretty powerful one. I, so I'm intrigued that, that, that you brought that up. Now, was that a part of what was presented in the Philadelphia sites, is that connection? Um, to some degree, yes, but um, in many ways, those connections were undertold in part because the records were um, hard to get at, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's only been in this this last decade or so that many of the Chu, for instance, the Chu records, are more accessible, more easy to find. They're indexed or they're digitized. So, um, so that that's one component of it. Underground railroad history has been notoriously undertold in part because of clandestine activity is mm-hmm. not well documented, right. sure. uh, or 
even it's rare to find a National Historic Landmark on the Underground Railroad, which the Johnson House is, Mm -hmm. in part because the kinds of buildings that last for hundreds of years Mm -hmm. weren't buildings built by the kinds of people who helped freedom seekers on the Underground Railroad. A stone building like the Johnson House that was owned by a Quaker family interested in abolition uh, um, can last, but a clapboard structure owned by William Still, who, who ran the Underground Railroad in Philadelphia, um, is is not. Um, so uh, those connections, I think, um, like you mentioned, uh, the abolitionist or the Underground Railroad connection is only one of the many ways mm-hmm. that the region is one story. And mm-hmm. that can be uh, the, the maritime history or the the neighbor or the uh, the region's response to World War II or the colonial period. Mm-hmm. Many of the forts of Philadelphia are, are interlinked with the Delaware forts um, in their revolution, whether they be for colonial or War of 1812 or Civil War. Um, I, I used to run a, a, a county historical society in Salem, New Jersey, and there are many of the same kinds of patterns of, of church migration, mm-hmm. of the development of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, mm-hmm. for instance, by Richard Allen, in the communities in South Jersey and in Delaware, and those are uh, Philadelphia institutions, mm-hmm. um, like the AME Church so, uh, of Mother Bethel. And I think those are good examples of how the patterns uh, that are maybe we may associate with Baltimore or Philadelphia are actually very Delaware in their, uh, in their conception and in their origins, including migration patterns of the Dutch and the Swedish, um, the, the people who came of African descent either uh, through uh, the slave trade or through uh, 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 marriage or, or the Great Migration um, represent fascinating stories that um, Philadelphia has only begun to dip their toe into understanding. And, uh, and I think that there are real opportunities in that because the more we find out about history, the more exciting it becomes. And whether that's through new sources we didn't know about or finally having records that are easier to get to or new ways of telling, like Hamilton mm-hmm. changed the game or, mm-hmm. or multi-generational conversations about difficult subject matter or, or uh, different affinity groups or, or even ethnic histories being more widely we- represented in somewhat what, what, in what used to be traditional or exclusive institutions like museums or historical mm-hmm. societies. Mm-hmm. So it's a great time to be in the field of public history. And at the same time, there's never been a more urgent moment for what public history can do. Mm-hmm. And, and, and mm-hmm. After Charlottesville, after Charleston, in an age where we're actively discussing what, um, whose history and, and, and for whom and uh, and why this marker, or 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 what we should do to rewrite uh, history, um, and and our, do we have all the perspectives we need in understanding the past? That suggests to me that history can provide a nonpartisan way to bring people together in that journey of discovery, because we can't know everything we'd like to know about mm-hmm, the past, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and in many ways, learning in museums is a social enterprise. We learn not just by reading the labels or looking at the artifacts. We learn by talking to one another about what we're seeing. And that makes it a social phenomenon. And the more 
historical societies like the Delaware Historical Society can present a sort of forum or a commons to discuss the past, uh, the more meaningful it becomes and, mm-hmm. and, and, and the more social and connected the past can be as a platform for dialogue. Mm-hmm. You have touched on about five themes that could make for five more shows. Uh, but let me first remind our listeners you are tuned into Delaware State of the Arts here on News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV. Our guest in the studio today is Dr. David Young, the executive director of the Delaware Historical Society. Uh, David, I, w- I want to come back to two themes in particular. One is uh, it, it's the component of history that has always fascinated me the most. I think. Uh, Oftentimes, and having been a history teacher for 17 years, I think oftentimes we we get caught up in teaching the events, teaching the milestones, teaching uh, the military battles, let's say, those kinds of things, those concrete, you know, tangible uh, aspects of history. But we we too easily lose sight of what you referred to as social history, and that is what's happening to people through all of this. Uh, could you speak to to that and sort of what your vision is? I mean, you you were talking about it with the artifacts and how how do we use the the historical assets of Delaware to tell people's stories? How how do you envision that happening through the historical society? Sure. Um, well, first of all, the things we can agree on in history are the least meaningful, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? The dates, right, the, exactly. the begats. Yeah, if, right. if you leave the historical society knowing dates and facts we're not doing our jobs right. right. Um, but that stuff you can look up in a book. Uh, well, yeah. when the Civil War happened, right. we can agree on. Right. Why did it happen? Yeah. Why did it matter? Mm-hmm. We're still arguing about right. it. And that's how it should be. We mm-hmm. should be continually reassessing what the past means to us. Uh, Delaware is rich in incredible historic sites and museums. And what I've been delighted to find is there are phenomenal projects statewide at the local level, uh, many of them rooted in social history that has been undertold or not represented in some of the bigger museums. Uh, and that uh, I see the Historical Society's role as being a convener and a celebrator and, an, uh, and affirming the work of many projects going on right now, like the DuPont Schools Historic Preservation Network of alumni groups trying to save the 88 schools that had been established by Pierre DuPont. There's a remarkable history of resilience, but also the segregation uh, legacy of Mm -hmm. the the education system Mm -hmm. of Delaware. And in a case like that, that's history that may not necessarily reflect well on the communities or the state. And what I found in my work over the last several years is that people are eager to talk about the tough stuff in history, the, the, the things that we're still wrestling with because it wasn't addressed generations ago. And museums and historic sites are doing a much better job at being conveners to uh, not only to affirm and commemorate, but also to openly discuss in a safe and respectful and welcoming environment things that weren't so celebratory. Mm-hmm. The role of the KKK, for instance, or um, in the case of Delaware, there are the whipping posts in each of the counties and a legacy of lynching um, that has not been well represented in the historical uh, record. For instance, 
Brian Stevenson's uh, uh, work on the Equal Justice Initiative, Delaware native Brian Stevenson from the Georgetown sect, uh, area, has opened this year in 2018 the National Memorial to Lynching in Montgomery, Alabama. And just yesterday, the Senate approved uh, a bill to make lynching a hate crime, which had been something that had been stalled for nearly 100 years. And it's now been complete in part because of the work of social history. But the irony is that a Delaware native started this national memorial to lynching, and Delaware is nowhere to be found in that memorial Hmm. because as a border state, Delaware was not required to report incidents of racial terrorism Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. the federal government. Mm -hmm. Our archives in Delaware have, at the Delaware Historical Society, have the records of many of these incidents, such as a 1903 incident of George White being burned in Newcastle County. Uh, 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 an 1867 incident of O.B. Evans being hanged near Whitehall in Leipzig. Uh, this was a Union soldier who was who was lynched. Um, so our one of our opportunities uh, and one of our imperatives at the Delaware Historical Society is to bring people together to look at some of those legacies that have been obscured or ignored because we have the receipts mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we'd like to put more of an effort toward um, commemorating where appropriate and and understanding where things uh, need to be discussed so that we can correct the record. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, the records uh, in the Delaware Historical Society are unique, as good and as well-established as many of the museums are uh, and historic sites in Delaware. The collections of the Historical Society are unique in this way. They are not one wealthy individual's private collection or personal passion. They are not the history of one industry or one family. They are the history of every person Delaware. And there are over five centuries represented in our nearly three million artifacts Mm. and documents at the Historical Society. And as good as we are at presenting things in our Center for African American Heritage or our um, One State, Many Stories exhibition at the Historical Society's Museum or in our journal, the Delaware History Journal, uh, we also don't display all the records or Mm -hmm. we don't have Mm -hmm. uh, all the archives uh, immediately accessible on the web. So we're working to bring out more of that because that every person Delaware – is a story that is a, is a narrative that anyone can find their way into. And then we learn from other perspectives because of it. And meanwhile, if the historical society can do its job to help convene or connect many of these great projects going on locally and statewide, our opportunity is because much of Delaware's history is missing on the national landscape of public history, uh, we can make that vertical. So we can connect horizontally, but also make more widely known nationally some of the cool stories in Delaware that I I have just found fascinating, Mm -hmm. that Bob Marley lived in Wilmington. Right, right. uh, uh, In Mm -hmm. in his late years, in the the 1970s. Mm -hmm. A a record in our uh, archive has the telephone book, and it lists his address on Tattnall Street Mm -hmm. and his occupation, Singer. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, to say nothing of the fact we have a spacesuit in our collection, mm-hmm. um, these kinds of things are unique to Delaware in a way that maybe Delawareans have taken for granted. Right, uh, right. When I talk 
uh, to friends and colleagues about how excited I am about my new job, and I tell them a thing or two, like I've just said to you, that whoa, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So I see that as a real opportunity. That that, um, and that's where we want to be. I didn't know that, or I hadn't thought about it mm -hmm. quite like that. That's what uh, uh, um, journeying into the past together can prompt. It can pr prompt a question. Uh, that is uh, that is what I hear most often in public history, and that is really, yeah. that really happened. Well, we only have about a minute and a half left, so I want to give you that little bit of time to tell our listeners how they can find out more about the Delaware Historical Society and some of the specific programs you've got coming up. Sure, I would encourage everyone to check out our website, uh, dehistory.org. And uh, connect with some of the Instagram and social media accounts that we have. We have a wonderful uh, um, uh, daily blog called The Vault. Uh, also, our Reed House. Uh, the Reed House is one of the eight buildings that the Historical Society stewards. And the Reed House is the most recent National Historic Landmark in Delaware. It's only the 14th in the state. And it was so named, so designated only a year and a half ago. So um, the remarkable programming going on at the Reed House or the Delaware History Museum or uh, at the uh, Mitchell Center for African American Heritage includes coming up in January uh, a, a writing historical fiction workshop on January 12th. Uh, we also have uh, an opportunity to meet civil rights hero Joan Trumpower Mulholland and see a documentary about her called An Ordinary Hero on January 26th. We're also doing remarkable programming, thanks to the Division of Arts of mm -hmm. the State of Delaware, with the Melomany Chamber Concert Group, uh, the Delaware Historical Society, and Old Town Hall, the 1798 uh, building on Market Street in, in uh, Wilmington, is the, the venue for all of their Wilmington series of concerts. So come see us at 501, 505 North Market Street in Wilmington, and we'll show you into the past. David, thanks so much for joining us today. David Young with the Delaware Historical Society. Thank you, Paul.